Today on the Matt Wall Show, new revelations shed more light on Andrew Cuomo's disastrous decision to send infected COVID patients into nursing homes in New York. The scandal's even bigger than we thought. We'll talk about that today. Also, five headlines, including Dave Ramsey getting himself into trouble by criticizing the stimulus bills. But does he have a point? And in our daily cancellation, we'll discuss the backlash against a film critic who committed the sin of critiquing an actress. Can't do that as a film critic. Plus, I'll read my YouTube comments and much more today on the Matt Wall Show. You know, if 2021 has taught us anything so far, it's that you need to be using a VPN. You don't have to give big tech websites access to your data. You might think that that that's inevitable, that you have to do that, but you don't. And why should you? Um, I choose to protect my online activity by using ExpressVPN. Ever wondered how free to access social media companies make all their money? You might might think, well, advertisements and that sort of thing. Well, no, the main way they do it is by tracking your searches, your video history, and everything you click on. And then they sell your valuable data. That's the way they're making their billions. When you use ExpressVPN, you make your online presence anonymous by hiding your your IP address. And that makes your activity more difficult to trace and more difficult to sell to advertisers. What's more, ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of your data to to protect you from eavesdroppers on your network. And the ExpressVPN app couldn't be easier to use. Here's all you have to do. I'll tell you the whole process. I'll I'll lay it out for you. Uh, You tap a button on your phone or computer, and then you're protected. It really is as simple as that. So... Take back your online privacy with the, v- the VPN that I trust at expressvpn.com Walsh. By visiting my link, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free on a one-year package. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Walsh, expressvpn.com Walsh to protect your data today. Now, as far as we know, 15,000 people have died from COVID uh, in New York nursing homes. As far as we know. Emphasis on that part of it. The number is already much higher than the previous figure, which it turned out was being underreported by about 50%. We could probably assume that the actual number is higher still. But even pretending that the numbers at this point are accurate, 15,000 is a staggering figure. How did it get so bad? How could so many die, especially when they were already ostensibly isolated in care facilities? Shouldn't that have made them more protected instead of more vulnerable? Well, the how has been coming into sharper focus lately, and some revelations this week especially have uh, helped to reveal the the magnitude of this scandal in New York. First, the AP reports, based on records that it obtained, it says, uh, that, quote, more than 9,000 recovering coronavirus patients in New York State were released from hospitals into nursing homes early in the pandemic under a controversial directive that was scrapped amid criticism of accelerated outbreaks. The new number of 9,056 recovering patients sent to hundreds of nursing homes is more than 40% higher than what the state health department previously released. And it raises new questions as to whether a March 25th directive from Governor Andrew Cuomo's administration helped spread sickness and death among residents, a charge the state disputes. Okay, 9,000, that's 9,000 people carrying a deadly virus a virus known to especially infect and kill the elderly and carrying it right into nursing homes. Keep in mind that we knew on March 25th that the elderly are most vulnerable to coronavirus. It, it, it cannot be claimed, claimed that Cuomo and his administration didn't realize what they were doing or didn't understand the implications. One of the first established facts about the coronavirus was that it hits the elderly hard and that it hits kids hardly at all. Those were the two things we knew about it right away. Those are maybe the two, maybe the only two facts about the coronavirus that have not changed. 
And yet leaders like Cuomo responded by shutting down schools and opening up the nursing homes to COVID. Why was this done? I mean, what was the reason? Or at least the stated reason. Well, the AP says this. The Cuomo administration's March 25th directive barred nursing homes from refusing people just because they had COVID-19. It was intended to free up space in hospitals swamped in the early days of the pandemic. It came under criticism from advocates for nursing home residents and their relatives who said that it had the potential to spread the virus in a state that had, at the time, um, had the nation's highest nursing home death toll already. Okay, free up space. So they had, they had no choice but to send COVID patients into the nursing homes, effectively condemning thousands to death because the hospitals were swamped, overflowing at capacity, they say. Well, that's strange. Um, it's strange when you consider this. Reading from a USA Today article published on April 23rd, 2020. It says, the Naval Hospital ship USNS Comfort is set to leave New York City City's harbor after it floated for three weeks, mostly empty of patients. Projections about the spread of the coronavirus sent New York State scrambling to increase its hospital bed capacity by more than double its 53,000 limit. The federal government was called in to convert spaces like the Jacob Javits Center in Manhattan into overflow, in, into overflow hospitals, but a month after shutdown efforts, that capacity hasn't been stretched to its limits. Comfort and its 1,000 hospital beds sailed into New York late last month, but was under scrutiny for being sparsely used. Of four overflow hospitals built in the state, only the Javits Center has taken of patients so far, according to state officials. Okay, that again, April 23rd, 2020. The hospital ship had been in the harbor for three weeks at that point. The directive to send COVID patients into nursing homes because of overflowing hospitals was signed on March 25th. So for the entire month of April, just about, um, patients were sent to nursing homes to free up space while an entire naval ship floated there unused, along with four other overflow hospitals that were also barely used. How do you make sense of this? Granted, I don't know all the logistical complications of sending patients into a hospital ship, but whatever they are, whatever extra effort or red tape had to be gone through, whatever it would be, wouldn't you make that effort rather than intentionally introducing the virus into communities of elderly people? So why weren't the ships used? We can only speculate. Here's one speculation that you can't help but wonder about. Did Cuomo choose to send the patients into nursing homes rather than onto the ships because he didn't want to have to say that Trump was helping? Was this all about making sure that Trump didn't get credit? You can't help but wonder. Did 15,000 elderly people die in order to protect Cuomo's political ego? Now, this possibility becomes even more prominent when you consider another big revelation this week. This is from the New York Post. This is what they report. Governor Andrew Cuomo's top aide privately apologized to Democratic lawmakers for withholding the state's nursing home death toll from COVID-19, telling them, quote, we froze out of fear that the true numbers would be used against us by federal prosecutors. The stunning admission of a cover-up was made by Secretary to the, governor, to the Governor Melissa DeRosa during a video conference call with state Democratic leaders in which she said the Cuomo administration had rebuffed a legislative request for the tally in August because, quote, Right around the same time, President Donald Trump turns this into a giant political football, according to an audio recording of the two-hour-plus meeting. Uh, she continues, he starts tweeting that we killed everybody in nursing homes, DeRosa said. 
He starts going after uh, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, starts going after California Governor Newsom, starts going after uh, Gretchen Whitmer. And the Post report continues, in addition to attacking Cuomo's fellow Democratic governors, DeRosa said, Trump directs the Department of Justice to do an investigation into us, and basically we froze. Okay, if this is true from the New York Post, and I see no reason to think that it isn't, then we have an admission of a cover-up, and one of the worst cover-ups in American history. That's not an exaggeration. This is easily, without question, one of the country's deadliest political scandals. We're talking about decisions that were made for political self-serving reasons, it would seem, that directly led to the deaths of thousands of people. More from the Post. Quote, but instead of a mea culpa to the grieving family members of more than 13,000 dead seniors or the critics who say uh, the health department spread COVID-19 in the care facilities with a March 25th state health department directive, um, DeRosa tried to make amends with the fellow Democrats for the political inconvenience it caused them. She said, so we do apologize. I do understand the position that we that you were put in. I know it's not fair. It was not our intention to put you in that political position with the Republicans. Ah, yes, a political position with the Republicans. That's the concern here. Not, you know, all the dead bodies. Not the position you put your elderly citizens in, the position of lying in a damned coffin. Well, let's not forget, while this was all going on, um, infected patients sent into nursing homes, thousands of people dying, a cover-up happening. Andrew Cuomo, the guy behind it all, was being awarded an Emmy for his press briefings. And he signed a book deal to brag about his COVID leadership. And he was going on CNN for cutesy interviews with his little brother. Let's all remember this. You know what? I understand. This is the normal swab I'm holding up here now and for everybody at home. A very valuable object. There's only one company in the entire country that makes these up in Maine. All right. Here's the swab. Is it true that this was the swab? that the nurse was actually using on you and that at first it went into your nose and disappeared so that in scale, this was the actual swab that was being used to fit up that double barrel shotgun that you have mounted on the front of your pretty face. (laughs) See... I said I was going to be nice and sweet. I just want a yes, no. And was I was it trying. this? I was trying. Or was it this? Very hard. Look. <laughs> Which was it? <laughs> oh, isn't that so cute and sweet? Isn't that so funny? You know, in hindsight, that's one of the most embarrassing moments for the American media ever. Well, not in hindsight. It was embarrassing at the time, too. Cuomo will continue to get this kind of treatment from the media no matter what's revealed about it, because they're invested in the narrative that Trump and Republican governors are the ones who botched the COVID response. That's the narrative. They cannot waver from it. But the reality is clear. There's plenty of evidence that Andrew Cuomo was guilty of criminal negligence and rampant abuses of power. He should be arrested, prosecuted immediately. Maybe once they're done with this show trial in D.C., they'll get around to that. But I won't hold my breath. Let's get now to our five headlines. I think maybe we can agree that there is no benefit, no real silver lining to having acne. It's not anything anybody wants. We can't agree on much in society these days. This is one fact we can all unite around. 
uh, you don't like having acne, and that's why you've got to try Proactive. Uh, Proactive combines gentle skincare paired with the best acne treatment for your skin. Proactive has three different systems designed for your skin type. No matter your type of breakout, Proactive combines gentle skincare paired with the best acne treatment for you. And uh, they got the, the three systems that I mentioned. They've got Proactive MD Advanced. That's prescription strength for stubborn breakouts. They've also got Proactive Plus Gentle, which is for more gentle sort of skin types. And Proactive Solution Original, that's the original system. It's suitable for all skin types. That's, you know, if you don't know which one to grab, you just grab that one and you go from there. With clinically proven ingredients and tested by dermatologists, you get a simple three-step system designed for you, and you can subscribe to consistently clear, clear skin. And that way you can clear up this problem. You don't have to live with it. Right now is a great time to try Proactive. For our podcast listeners, you can get a special offer available by going to proactive.com Walsh. Proactive subscribers will receive the Hydrating Duo as a free gift. That includes four hydrogel masks and the green tea moisturizer. You also get free shipping. Again, visit proactive.com Walsh to take advantage of this special offer now. That's proactive.com Walsh and subscribe to Clear Skin. You know, I just have to say, I almost, uh, this is something I almost talked about for the daily cancellation, but then something else came along that annoyed me more. And so I'm doing that instead. But uh, this is, this is a, a, something that has plagued me for, for my whole life. And it happened to me again this morning when I was coming in. I was at the, at the stopping the gas station. You know, the only thing worse than someone who doesn't hold the door for you when you're walking into a building right behind them is when somebody holds the door for you when you're too far away. Now I had, I was at the, the gas station. I was practically just getting out of my car. I was like 25 paces away. And this guy looks back, sees that I'm heading towards the door and holds it for me. And I tried to give him the wave and say, hey, no, it's fine. Go ahead. Just keep, just keep going. And he gives me the wave. Oh, I'll stand here. And so now it's just that awkward walk where I have to do that sort of half jog walk to get to the door faster than I otherwise would have. All for the sake of me not having to just do this and, and open it myself. I'm perfectly capable of doing that. You can just keep going. So that is a lot worse. And here's, because here, here's the mistake people make, and this is just the tip I'm going to give you. Walking inside a building, it's a very complicated procedure, but here's what you want to do. Because if you're walking into the building and then you look back, you do the check to make sure there's no one coming in behind you. If you catch eye contact with someone coming in behind you, now you feel like you have to hold it for them, right? Uh, and even if they're 20 paces away. So make sure when you look back, your eyes are looking down. So you'll catch just their feet. And then you can make a judgment of how many paces. If it's more than 10 paces, you just keep going. Let them open the door for themselves. That's it. Okay. And at the end of the day, if they have to open the door for themselves, it's not a big deal. Always err on the side of being too rude than too polite. That's my tip. That's my etiquette tip. Take it or leave it. You probably want to leave it. Okay. Um, speaking of Andrew Cuomo, he uh, and, and him embarrassing himself. I also want to play this for you. Number one, he shared a PSA yesterday from something called hip hop public health. I don't know what that is. I don't know why it is, but it is. And uh, well, here it is. I got the vaccine. You got the vaccine. They got the vaccine. We got the vaccine. We can get back to normal. Let me inform you. Let's all get the vaccine. It's about community immunity. 
I'm talking unity for you and me. Yeah. If Doc says it's good, then trust me, it's good. Now let's all get the vaccine. Rock. There is none higher. DMC, I will inspire. Time for us to trust and not debate. The vaccine, believe it's safe to take. Nine out of ten people won't get sick. That's 90% effective and legit. This COVID thing is real and it will find you. It's killing our people. Let me remind you. Back in the days, back in the days, there was polio, smallpox. Back in the days, measles and mumps, man. Back in the days, okay. because of the vaccine. We can cut that off. Say we've seen about enough of that. Uh, you know, that's going to be really effective messaging uh, to the teens in 1988. So if there's any teenagers in 1988, you know, hanging around a back to the future type of situation, I think they're going to be very that that's something that they're going to be really interested in. It is it is just so insulting, though, because because, of course, in reality, they call this hip hop public health. That's the organization. Um this is obviously meant it's supposed to supposed to speak to the black community. And uh, it's it's just so it's so insulting. Anytime you get these efforts by the left or by the government. With messaging for a certain community, uh, one community or another, it's always insulting. If you want people, people to get vaccinated, whether they're white, black, or otherwise, just just say so. Get, get, give the info. We don't need the, the rap. We don't need run DMC of all things. Um, just give give the information. I think someone, regardless of their race or ethnicity, that's that's probably all they're really looking for. I would assume. Um, and you know, information is actually important, not in the form of a rap. But here's here are the facts about the vaccine. Because people have questions about it. It's okay to have questions. If you're asking uh, millions of people to inject something into their body. Perfectly rational for them to have questions. So maybe just present that information in a in a in a way that is easy to understand. Uh, okay, number two, Dave Ramsey is finding himself in front of the cancellation firing squad for his comments on student loan forgiveness and and also the stimulus. And he was trending yesterday uh, because people were very upset about this. And let's take a listen to his offensive remarks, and we'll decide if they really are all that offensive. This is a political gimme by progressives simply trying to buy votes. And we know that because when you go from 10,000 in forgiveness to 50,000 in forgiveness, the people who benefit are not lower income people. The vast majority of people that have an average income or less have less than $10,000 in student loan debt. The vast majority of people who would be blessed by moving it from 10 to 50 are high income earners. So again, this is all political rhetoric. It's not reality. You come from an interesting perspective. You talk to Americans. Americans across the country every day on your radio program. Yeah. What, what, what do you believe is the right number or the right answer for a for the next stimulus check? Well, I don't believe in a stimulus check because if $600 or $1,400 changes your life, you were pretty much screwed already. You got other issues going on. Uh, you have a you have a career problem, you have a debt problem, you have a relationship problem, you have a mental health problem. Something else is going on if $600 changes your life. And that's not talking down to folks. I've been bankrupt. I've been broken. I work with people every day who are hurting. I love people. I want people to be lifted up. But this is again, it is it is just political rhetoric, and it's just throwing dollars out there. It's peeing on a forest fire. Okay. So that's what people were crying about, which first of all, agree or disagree, just the crying about it. Give me a break. 
Uh, you're 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 talking talking down. You're you're being sh- just shut up. You're, you're not actually offended by that, so stop it. We get to a point where people can just express their opinion, their point of view. That's a it's a it's a valid point of view. In fact, now I'm in favor of the stimulus, as I've said a million times, because just really on on principle more than anything else, that the government has told people they can't go to work and has shut down entire industries and 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 you know thousands of. Um, of businesses have gone over, under because of the government. And so they owe it. They owe it. If, if, they, if, if, if the government has told you you can't go to work or if they've destroyed your business, they owe you money. And so it's not an entitlement. Now, unlike student loan forgiveness, which was what, we, what he was first talking about there, now that is like an entitlement. An entitlement in the sense, in, in, in the way that that word has been used historically in this country which is that when we talk about entitlements, usually we're talking about people getting money that they're not actually entitled to. So uh, with a stimulus, the, the irony is that that actually, in another, in another sense, in a, in a very literal sense, that is an entitlement because you are actually, in this case, entitled to it. So that, that all gets very confusing. But um, as far as the stimulus goes, this is the government's fault for shutting down the economy and they owe it. So that's my take on it. However, however it's also true that $600 or $1,200 or $2,000, that's not going to solve anybody's problem. If, if you've been bankrupted or your business has been destroyed by the lockdowns, then $600, even $2,000, that that's not even a Band-Aid. So it is a question. How, how many people in the country right now are in a position because of the lockdowns where they're really hurting, but what all they need is 1200 and 1200 bucks is going to, is going to solve everything. Does anyone fall into that category? I think there are a lot of people who've, who've done okay through the lockdown because their industry wasn't that affected by it. That's the case, by the way, for the media of which I'm, I am in the media. Um, so there's a lot of people that are, that are doing fine or, or they're in another, they're in another industry where they could work from home. It's a lot of people and they don't need the money. They shouldn't get anything. A lot of them will get money, but they shouldn't because they don't need it. If you haven't, if you've, if you have been working through the pandemic and have not taken a big hit in your, um, in your paycheck, you should get $0. Why should you get anything? I think many of us have been in the situation, maybe especially recently, where you just feel like you can't get ahead of your finances. It's not a fun situation to be in. If you've ever felt like no matter how hard you work, you just can't seem to get ahead. If you look back the past few years and you feel like you know you, you never have enough money in the bank or you only have enough to pay your bills and so you put it in, it's like putting it into a sieve and it just drains right out again. That's not really the American dream, is it? That's not what we're all hoping for. Times are tough right now and a lot of people have racked up all sorts of debt whether it's credit cards, consolidation loans, store cards, even those payday loans uh, that have a high interest rate over 100%. Life's been tough, but the good news is TurboDebt is here to help. TurboDebt is the solution to these problems. Banks want to keep you in debt. That's the fact. They only make money uh, when you pay interest, and so they have an interest in you having to pay it. Almost 70% of Americans die with credit card debt and no money in the bank. You don't want to be one of those. TurboDebt helps with credit slash retail cards, personal loans, payday loans, medical debt, all of that, they're going to help you out. Think about how much uh, you pay every month to credit cards versus going into a bank and savings. If you're paying 500 bucks a month, that's $6,000 a year. In just five years, you would have $30,000 in cash in the bank if you didn't have these high interest 
credit cards. So if you have over $10,000 in credit card, personal loans, medical or payday loans, they can help. This is what you have to do. Go to turbodebt.com slash Walsh. That's www.turbodebt.com slash Walsh for a free consultation. So if you're in that category, you shouldn't get anything. But when you look at the people who have been legitimately devastated financially by this, what is $600 or $1,200 or $2,000 going to do for them? Not much. Although I would say it's better than nothing. But the point is, the real thing that we can do for those people is we get the economy open. You let people go back to work. You let restaurants serve customers again. And not with a capacity of 10% or whatever crazy thing they're doing. Or you have to feed them outside like dogs. Um, that's the real solution. But his point there, it's not, it's not unreasonable. It's not irrational. If you're crying about it, just get over yourself. It, it, look, anytime the government is talking about spending trillions of dollars, it, it's good for people to criticize that, even if you agree with it. There should be an open debate. There should be no criticism of a, gov- of a government spending bill that's out of bounds or out of line. Uh, the rest of what he said about, about the uh, student loan forgiveness is 100% right. You know, you talk about $50,000 of student loan forgiveness. Who, who, who are the people who have $50,000 of student loan debt? Who are these people? Are these, are these for the most part, poor people with $50,000 of student loan debt? Or blue-collar workers or, you know, retail workers at, at, at Walmart? No, for, for the most part, these are upper-income people. And so it's, that is a bailout for upper-income privileged people. That's what a $50,000 student loan forgiveness is. So he's right about that, too. All right. Um, number three, I just I want to play this for you. Ron DeSantis uh, proving why he's our 2024 candidate. Let's, let's play this. The media is worried about that, obviously. You guys really love that. Uh, you don't care as much if it's a, quote, peaceful protest, and then it's fine. You don't care as much if they're celebrating a Biden election. You only care about if it's people that you don't like. So I'm a Bucks fan. I'm damn proud of what they did on Sunday night. And so in terms of the U.K. variant, here's what we know. We know based on all the the evidence that these vaccines are going to be effective against that. And that's really the the, the main concern. I mean, we're getting our seniors vaccinated. Uh, We've not seen any data or any evidence to suggest that these vaccines uh, are not effective. And so if we get the seniors vaccinated, we're going to be good. uh, And that's what we're going to do. If there's data that comes out, not an academic model. Yeah, I guess I should have set that up a little bit, a little bit of framing there. Uh, he's, he was responding to a question about all of the, the Bucks fans in Florida that were out celebrating, you know, the, the victory. And maybe they were wearing a mask or maybe they weren't. And his response was exactly what you just heard. Like, well, I, I didn't hear you asking that about BLM protests. You weren't talking about that when people are, were in the street. That's the most egregious thing of all is when you, when you think about the, for a couple of days, the Biden fans in the street dancing and celebrating. Because there you don't have the excuse. With, with, with the BLM riots, the excuse we hear is that they were, they were protesting injustice. And this was something they had, that, that, that people had to do. Uh, really, they were say, they're saving lives, actually, in the end. You know, that, that's, that's the excuse, which, of course, is completely bogus and ridiculous. Um, 
with the Biden celebrations, though, you, you don't even have that bogus and ridiculous excuse. There's no excuse. These are people that were happy because their guy won, and so they're out in the street celebrating. No criticism from the media about that. So that's a, that's a, a good response. You, you, you consistently hear Ron DeSantis uh, responding to the media in exactly the right way, so, saying the kinds of things in response to their questions that like you or I would say if we were in that position. That's what I like about it. Okay. Uh, so that's someone responding the right way to a thing. Here's someone, I think, not responding the, the right way. Morgan Wallen, we know the country star who got himself canceled after he was secretly recorded by a neighbor saying the N-word drunkenly to a friend, drunkenly and jokingly saying it. And next thing you know, he's, he's, his songs are kicked off of pretty much every radio station in the country. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's not eligible for country music awards anymore. He's, he's suspended by his record label. All this stuff is happening. And he's already apologized for it. He apologized immediately. As soon as TMZ got their hands on the video and they contacted Morgan Wallen, he immediately apologized. But that's not enough. You know, he apologized. It, it didn't have the effect he was hoping for, probably. And so here he is apologizing again. Hey, y'all. It's Morgan. I'm long overdue to make a statement regarding my last incident. I wanted to collect my thoughts, seek some real guidance, and come to you with a complete thought before I did. I was made aware of the video being posted to TMZ with hardly any time to think before it was released to the public. I was asked if I wanted to apologize, and of course I did. I wrote many detailed thoughts, and only a portion of those got used, which painted me in an even more careless light. Uh, I'm I'm here to hopefully show you that that's not the truth. Uh, the video you saw was, was me on our 72 of 72 of a bender. And that's not something I'm proud of either. Obviously, the, the natural thing to do is to apologize further and just continue to apologize but because you got caught. And that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not going to criticize him for it, it, I think when you're in that position, it's hard to know what are you supposed to say, right? What do you? He's already apologized. He's trying to apologize again. Uh, so I understand why he's why he's doing it. But at the same time, you know the, the the problem is, like we talked about already this week, the the people who are calling for his cancellation and want his career to be destroyed over this and are celebrating over the fact that it has effectively been destroyed, at least for now, uh, there's, there's just nothing you can say to them. It doesn't matter. The, forgiveness is not part of the bargain. They don't care because they don't care about the initial offense. They weren't really offended by it. No, let me tell you, not one person in the country was offended by that video of Morgan Wallen. Nobody. You, you, you go online and try to find an example of someone who appears to be actually offended. No, the reaction is, we got him. This is going to take him down now. All right, this is, now, now we're going to take this guy down. It was like a celebratory, vengeful kind of bloodlust. For, for most people, it's, they don't really care one way or another. Even if they are calling for his, you know, for him to be fired and all this kind of stuff. They don't really care. There's no passion in it. It's just kind of casual, let's destroy another person for the sake of it. 
Uh, and then, for, but as far as the passionate people, it's more, it's, it's vengeful. This is a guy, you know, he's, he's a white guy, he's a country star, uh, lives in Nashville, suspected Trump supporter, even if he's not. He, he, he kind of fits the bill. And so, yeah, we got him. Let's take him down. That's the attitude. Um, so there's, there, are, there isn't any injured party for you to apologize to in reality. If there are people close to you in your life who are actually disappointed, maybe people in your family, especially as he, as he points out, he was on a bender, you know, all these kinds of things. Maybe he's got family members or personal friends who are really disappointed by this. Then you speak to them privately. You don't need to do it for the entire world. It's none of our business. It's not everybody in the public. We don't know Morgan Wallen. We were not involved in this. We're, we're, we're not injured by it. If there actually is anyone in his life who he feels he needs to, then you speak to them. Maybe he's already done that. that that's enough. The apology does not need to be put on display for everyone. So continuing to address it and continuing to apologize, it's just not, it's not going to have the desired effect. Because you're asking for grace and forgiveness from people who categorically deny, will deny it. They will refuse it, no matter what you do. All right, uh, number five. Speaking of which, the Daily Beast is reporting on another major racism scandal, supposedly. Um, They say, this is what they report. Once again, The Bachelor is trying to feel its way through a racism controversy. And this time, it's not just a vexing contestant who's landed in hot water, but host Chris Harrison as well. On Wednesday, The Bachelor guru apologized for defending Rachel Kirkconnell after photos surfaced of the season frontrunner attending a plantation-themed party. Now, I don't know who any of these people are. I've never watched The Bachelor one time in my life. I don't know anything about the original controversy, but this is what they say. So she, she attended a plantation-themed party. Kirkconnell has already come under scrutiny for apparently liking racist social media posts. Now, big grain of salt there. The Daily Beast is saying that there are racist social media posts. Maybe there were. I have no idea. But there's a very good chance they weren't racist at all. Just because the media calls something racist does not at all mean that it was. So grain of salt there. Um, I'm not sure what the social media posts were. They could have been anything. That's the thing with the media and the left. When they say the word racist, you just have no clue what they're actually talking about. They could be referring to actual racism. Maybe. 99% of the time, the time, though, they're not. So the word has lost meaning when they use it. Um, as well as uh, there were resurfaced photos of her wearing a Native American Halloween costume. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, dear God. She was wearing a costume pretending to be someone she's not on Halloween. That's not the time for that. These posts are only more troubling given that she's competing for the heart of Matt James, the franchise's first black bachelor in nearly two decades on the air. Um, well, why is that troubling? Matt James, maybe why don't, maybe make, let him make decisions for himself? Why is it troubling to you? Maybe you let Matt J- James decide if, if he cares about the Native American costume or whatever? Why would you be troubled? Uh, during a recent conversation with Rachel Lindsay, the first black bachelorette on Extra, Harrison seemed bent on convincing the Bachelor alum that really fans have been too hard on Kirk Connell. Um, and so that's so that's it. That's that's what the host now is in trouble for. The host, Chris, Chris Harrison. He's in trouble for. For saying and this is him now, he's addressing it now, he's apologizing. So he's apologizing 
he was he was originally saying that we should accept the apology of this other person who was allegedly did a racist thing. And now he has to apologize for that. And this is his apology for saying that we should accept the other apology. This is what he says. To my Bachelor Nation family, I will always own a mistake when I make one. So I am here to extend a sincere apology. I have this incredible platform to speak out about love. And yesterday I took a stance on topics about which I should have been better informed. While I do not speak for Rachel Kirkconnell, my intentions were simply to ask for grace in offering her an opportunity to speak on her own behalf. What I now realize I have done is cause harm by wrongly speaking in a manner that perpetuates racism. And for that, I am so deeply sorry. No, you haven't caused any harm. You, um, Chris, whatever your name is again, Chris Harrison, you, you've caused no harm to anyone. Nobody has been harmed. Nobody has been harmed by comments that the host of The Bachelor made um, about some other controversy. Remember what I said about Morgan Wallen. Forgiveness and grace are ruled out. You are not going to get it from the cancel mob. Well, here, here, here this proves that point exactly. Now, Chris Harrison is being canceled simply for saying we should have grace and forgiveness for someone else. Absolutely not. To even call for grace and forgiveness is itself racist now. But that won't stop this guy from apologizing and uh, another apology that will be absolutely ignored. Okay, um, we're going to read the YouTube comments in a second. Oh, yeah, but one other thing. Here's a bonus. This is from a local news report. I wanted to play this for you. It's a great video, almost as good as the cat lawyer. Not quite as good, but almost as good. Here's a mother proving why she should be the first NFL player, not Sarah Fuller. Let's watch this. A police officer's dash cam rolling when a Houston area mother tackles a suspected peeper who she says was looking into her daughter's bedroom. Even if you think you can run from the cops, good luck getting past this mom. Captured on police dash cam, taking down a man she says was trying to look into her 15-year-old daughter's bedroom window early on a Sunday. That is a nice tackle. I got to say, that's good form tackle. She, she plants the shoulder. I especially if you're on the Chiefs defense, especially in the, the defensive backfield after the performance we saw in the Super Bowl, you can take some tips from this. You, you see what she does. First of all, she wraps up, okay? She's not just throwing her body into the guy. She's going for the full wrap-up. You see how she wraps his, her arms around his body and look at her shoulder. Look where her shoulder's placed. Now, this is great form. She, she plants the shoulder into his chest, okay? Now, you could argue she's hitting him a little high. She could go a little bit, she could go a little, you know, maybe maybe bend the knees a little bit more, Um but still, I say pretty good form and a great pursuit angle. That's the other thing you got to consider as a defender. You got to take the right angle. And you see how she, she squares up and she takes this angle and boom, she gets him. That is a great tackle. I love that. That's a heartwarming video. You got to love to see that. Uh, and the thing is, everybody loves that, right? You see that. You see a mother defending her daughter, taking this guy down. And it just, it warms your heart to see it, doesn't it? Whether it's a, whether it was a mother or father, it warms your heart. Why does it, why, you know, it's, it's worth thinking about. Like, why do we love seeing a video like that? Because this is, this is a, this is motherly love, properly ordered. Okay, she's, she's going to defend her daughter. And we all love to see that. We love to see mothers and fathers doing what mothers and fathers do. That properly ordered familial love. We love, we, we, we all enjoy seeing that. And that's worth thinking about when you consider, for example, the Black Lives Matter movement saying they want to um, destroy the nuclear family. Well, that's what they're trying to destroy right there. 
All right, let's move on to read our YouTube comments. We've got a bunch of comments on the show yesterday. We won't read all of them, but a few. Um, this is from FFVI Girl. She says, hey, Matt, I signed up with Charity Mobile. So far, so good. Thank you for the recommendation. And thank you. Thank you for supporting the sponsors of this show. Um, that's, that's something that, that I certainly appreciate and they appreciate as well. Shana Siliker says, Matt, two things. One, I agree with you on so much, but would have to disagree about Star Wars being overrated. Save uh, the three movies that came out in early 2000s. Those can just go away. Number two, as a pregnant woman who already can't breathe in one mask, I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong on the pattern of the CDC making it required to wear two masks. Love what you guys are doing. Yeah, well, on, the, on Star Wars being overrated, listen, how many Star Wars movies have there been and how many have actually been good? At most, you can argue that the first three were good. I, 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 I don't, I think they, that your, your judgment on the first three is skewed by your nostalgic attachment to them. But even if I were to agree that they're good, now you've got, what, nine movies, and a third of them arguably are okay? I think that qualifies as overrated. Lobster Puncher, another great username, says, I don't know what lobsters ever did to him, but um, Matt Walsh prohibits his subjects from using emojis. Also Matt Walsh, cold opens with a cat filter. His ways are not our own. I don't know what you're referring to. What cat filter are you talking about? I have no idea. Aaron Hamner says, the left wants strong, beautiful, intelligent, and courageous women unless they disagree with their views. What a petty group of fascists. That's exactly right. They want, they want women to be strong and independent, uh, girl power, all of that, until the moment comes when a woman expresses a viewpoint that they disagree with, in which case, destroy her. That's the way. That, we, we know, of course, that's how it always, that's how it always works. Um, Bill Berger says, Matt, a guy in a stairwell this morning screamed at me to maintain a six feet distance as I came closer to him and while he was climbing up towards me. A stairwell in a public building. We both had masks on. And I said to him and laughed that it would be coming to that at some point. If it could happen, it will. He screamed at me after I passed him going uh, down the up, down the stairwell, six feet distancing, you jackass. I hope you get COVID. The wheels are not coming off America. They've been off for a long time. I hope you get, yeah, it is funny how quickly the real, the, the, the very paranoid people, pro-maskers, it's, it's funny how quickly they go from, I'm wearing a mask to protect you, to protect, to protect you. They go from that to, if you don't wear a mask, I hope you die. You know, they go from, I'm trying to protect you to, I hope you die in like one second flat. But should tell you something about the pro-mask message. Chrissy Jensen finally says, so you say to get your kids out of public schools, but also you want the schools to open. Seems like maybe you should be celebrating that the public schools aren't teaching. It's kind of like your shoe cancellation. You don't want to see our feet, but also you canceled shoes. Hashtag there is no winning. Hashtag everything is bad. But I don't disagree with your hashtags. But it, yes, ultimately, as a society, uh, I think we should move away from public schools. Ultimately, I think we should get the government out of the education business because they've done such a poor job of it. And I don't think that's just something the government should be doing, period. I don't think that's something we should rely on the government to do. Um, so that's ultimately. And I've been saying that for years. But that's a gradual change you have to make as a society. You, you can't do it all at once because then disaster unfolds. It's not fair to the families. It's not fair to the kids. And the other important thing is, 
if we're getting rid of the government school system, you got to replace it with something. I, I never said there should be no education. And what's happening now is that we have effectively suspended the government school education for, for a year and replaced it with nothing for a lot of these kids. Because Zoom class is nothing. It amounts to nothing. So rather than kids being educated in the public school system, they're just not being educated at all. And on top of having no other social interaction, not being around their friends, being isolated and all these things. Um, so yes, while I, while I think that society should move that way, th- this is not the way to do it. And besides, whatever my opinions are of the public school system, the fact that I'm a homeschool advocate, that doesn't change the fact that the teachers who are refusing to go to work and, and, and do their job are despicable and should be called out for it. All right, let's get to our daily cancellation. One thing you hear from business owners is that um, HR issues, when you're, when, you're, when you're starting a business or you have a business, HR issues are the issues that can really kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries aren't cheap either. Uh, we're talking about an average of $70,000 a year That's why you need Bambi. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E, was created specifically for small businesses to address this problem. You you can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, real-time chat. This is somebody working for you. From onboarding to termination, they customize your policies to fit your business, and they help you manage your employees day-to-day all for just $99 a month. Month to month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. There's no risk involved here, so you gotta try it out. Let Bambi help get your free HR audit today. Uh, you can just, you can at least go get the HR audit. Go to Bambi.com slash Walsh right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Walsh, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Walsh. And next up, please join me in a special edition of my daily cancellation featuring Disney Plus and their long list of double standards. More excitingly, this cancellation comes with some bitty, some pretty big news, I think. The Daily Wire just announced that we'll be making a movie with Gina Carano, the Mandalorian actress that Disney just canceled. Her crime? Disagreeing with woke Hollywood. Pretty unbelievable times we're, we're living in right now. So, uh, you know, you could lose your job for being an independent thinker. That's what it comes down to. But add it to the list, I guess. This was a classic Disney happily ever after public display of of contempt for conservative opinions. The irony, however, is whether Hollywood realizes it or not, they're just encouraging conservatives to be more active in the film space, their film space. We launched Run, Hide, Fight last month, and we're very excited to have Gina on board with us for what's next on the entertainment slate. Effective now, she'll be working with The Daily Wire to develop, produce, and star in an upcoming film to be released exclusively to members That's pretty exciting. Uh, Stay tuned for more movie details over at dailywire.com and get 25% off your membership today with code Gina. We already got the code ready for you. Don't miss out on any content. Go to dailywire.com slash wall, subscribe and use code Gina to get 25% off your Daily Wire membership. That's G-I-N-A for 25% off today. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today we're going to cancel Variety, uh, the, the, the magazine Variety and also Carrie Mulligan, who's an actress who I actually thought was pretty good in the one thing I saw her in. Unless I'm thinking of something else, I don't know. Anyway, to understand how this cancellation came about, we must reach back in time, all the way back to January of 2020. So back then, a year ago, a film critic named Dennis Harvey wrote a review for Variety of Carrie Mulligan's new new film, which was called Promising Young Woman. 
Now, that movie, according to IMDb, is about, quote, a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past who seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path. Not exactly revolutionary stuff from the sound of it, but that's all right. The film critic Harvey basically liked the movie, but thought that some elements of it didn't quite work. Specifically, he thought that Mulligan's performance was maybe a little bit off. Okay, here's what he said. Mulligan, a fine actress, seems a bit bit of an odd choice as this admittedly many-layered apparent femme fatale. Margot Robbie is a producer here, and one can perhaps too easily imagine the role might once have been attended for her. Whereas with this star, Cassie wears her pickup bait gear like bad drag. Even her long blonde hair seems a put-on. The flat American accent she delivers in her lowest voice register likewise seems a bit meta, though it's not quite clear what the quote marks around this performance signify. Still, like everything here, this turn is skillful, entertaining, and challenging, even when the eccentric method obscures the precise message. That's what he said. Now, you might hear that and think, um, how dare this man critique that poor woman? I mean, you might think that if you're a stupendous moron who doesn't understand that critiquing is literally the whole job of the critic. So it seems that Mulligan herself did not understand this or pretended not to understand it. And whether, whether what comes next is the result of her being a stupendous moron or just a petty, ridiculous bully is up to you to decide. I tend to think it's more the latter. What happened is that a year later, in an interview with the New York Times, published with the title, Carrie Mulligan Won't Let Hollywood Off the Hook, Mulligan complained about that variety review, which again, at this point, was a year ago. And she's still thinking about it. She said, quote, I read the Variety review because I'm a weak person, Mulligan said, and I took issue with it. She paused, debating whether she really wanted to go there. It felt like it was basically saying that I wasn't hot enough to pull off this kind of ruse, she said finally. Mulligan can still recite some of the lines from that review, but she said, it wasn't some sort of ego wounding thing, like I fully can see that Margot Robbie is a goddess. What bothered Mulligan most was that people might read a high-profile critique of an actress's physical appearance and blithely accept it. It drove me so crazy. I was like, really? For this film, you're going to write something that is so transparent now in 2020? I just couldn't believe it. Yes, a film critic criticizing in 2020? Unbelievable. No, Carrie, what's unbelievable, or perhaps all too believable, is that you were roundly praised and celebrated for your performance in this dumb movie and one guy offers a mild dissent and you stew over it for a year and then smear him as a misogynist? That's the part that stands out to me. The only part of Mulligan's diatribe that I agree with is that she says she's a weak person. Now that is clearly true. But weak people can still be bullies. In fact, they often are. And that's what she's doing here. She is bullying. And she didn't stop. A couple of months later, she was doing an interview or a discussion with another actress. And in fact, she was doing this for Variety. She, this, is, this was filmed by Variety and, and published on their platform. Um, and in this discussion, she still couldn't shut up about the one film critic who sort of criticized her one time. Let's take a listen. I know recently you called out a, a movie review and their criticism and saying that it was sexist and they ended up apologizing for it. And I just wanted you to kind of speak to that and, and what that really meant for you. I feel it's important that, you know, we that criticism is is um, is constructive. I think it's important that we uh, are looking at the right things when it comes to work and we're looking at the art and we're looking at the performance and, you know, the way that a film is made. Um and I don't think that that 
goes to the appearance of an actor or your personal preference for um, what an actor does or doesn't look like. I think in criticising or bemoaning a lack of attractiveness on my part in a character, it wasn't a personal slight. It wasn't something that I felt it didn't wound my ego, but it made me concerned that in such a big publication, an actress's appearance could be criticised and it could be, you know, that could be accepted as completely um, mm. reasonable. Okay, so she's concerned. She's very concerned. She's not worried about herself. That's, why, that's not why she's stewing over this review for a year and a half. Uh, it's not that she's concerned. Um, it's, it's that she's, uh, it's, not, it's not about herself, right? It's, she's, she's looking out for everybody else. And all, all the women out there. That's what this is about. Everything she's saying about the review is completely wrong, of course. He, he didn't say that she isn't hot enough. He, he was talking, and he's, he's, by the way, the reviewer is a gay man, so uh, it's probably unlikely that he would be judging her on that basis anyway. He was talking about the way that she inhabited and embodied the role. This is a very common thing for critics to bring up, for both men and women. Uh, Carrie Mulligan says, it's not about your personal opinion. About, of course, it's about his personal, he's a critic. That's all it's about. It's about his opinion. Now, how far that opinion goes with you, how much you care about his opinion, that's a different subject. Personally, I don't care about the opinion of a film critic hardly at all. But either way, that's what he does. Men and women. Anytime a new Batman is cast, we hear about this kind of discussion. Uh, we always hear this kind of discussion. You know, nobody's asking whether the actor is hot enough to be Bruce Wayne, but, but we're asking whether he has the physical presence to pull off that role. You hear that all the time for male roles. And that was Harvey's point. Any semi-literate person can understand that. So is Mulligan illiterate or is she just an enormous egomaniac? Those would seem to be our two options. We could ask the same questions about the, um, the illiteracy of the powers that be at Variety. Because after hearing that an actress didn't enjoy being critiqued by their film critic, they tacked on an editor's note onto the one-year-old review, which says now, now if you go to that review, here's what it says right at the top. Editor's note. Variety sincerely apologizes to Carrie Mulligan and regrets the insensitive language and insinuation in our, in our review of Promising Young Woman that minimized her daring performance. Yes, they apologized for allowing the film critic they employ to criticize her. They also called her performance daring in the editor's note as if it's some sort of objective fact. It's not. In fact, I haven't seen the movie, but I can say right now, definitively, there is nothing daring about it. An actress playing a woman seeking vengeance in a performance that received near universal praise is not daring. Might have been a good performance, but daring? No. An ABC News reviewer, being a good boy and saying only what he's allowed to say, called the movie, quote, a diabolically funny takedown of toxic masculinity. Now, maybe he's right that it's diabolically funny. I don't know. Um, I haven't seen it, but what I can say for sure is that there is nothing at all even a bit daring about a Hollywood film trying to take down toxic masculinity. That's not daring. At any rate, um, maybe that's a, a minor detail. The greater point is that a film critic was attacked as a misogynist for doing his job and his publication caved like a sinkhole and threw him under the bus. We should note also that the National Society of Film Critics did come out and defend the critic, Dennis Harvey, but it took them two months to do it because even the Society of Film Critics has to spend two months working up the nerve to defend the concept of being a film critic. 
And you would think that if the Society of Film Critics has any function at all, that's it. This is the world we live in now. The power of victimhood knows no bounds. It can even exempt an actress from criticism by film critics. It is a get-out-of-jail-free card, quite literally in many cases, and also a get-out-of-criticism card. Get-out-of-accountability card. Get-out-of-any-unpleasant-situation card. People like Carrie Mulligan know that. They know that they have this card. They know the power that comes with it. And they're eager to play it. The only way this ever changes is if we get to a point as a society where we can look at somebody like Carrie Mulligan and say, listen, okay, listen, lady, I understand your feelings are hurt. However, your feelings are unreasonable. Your point of view is ridiculous. You're being obnoxious. You are not owed an apology and you will not get one. Get over yourself. That must be the response to these self-victimizing, manipulative bullies. Until we, until we start responding that way, this will never change. But at least I can still say that Carrie Mulligan and Variety, you are canceled. The last one for the week. Many more to come, though. And we'll wrap it up there now. Have a great weekend, everybody. Talk to you next week. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey, everybody. This is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven.